You know it's April Fool's, right? Uh, it is not April Fool's. April Fool's was ten days ago. What are you talking about? I see April one. But there's a second one. Yeah, that's so. It's like <laughs> so. It's like double April Fools. Something like that. Yeah, look, it's four one one two two. Exponential April Fools. So you're doing Roman numerals, but that'll be April second. <laughs> yeah. So in no way does that equal one. VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 646, recorded on April 11th, 646th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and the 479th edition of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Denzer. I'm Scott Turk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on gaming news from around the industry with a gaming flashback and gaming history. Right. I said I was going to do the Apple Pippin, but I'll do that for another time because the video was released and uh, this this past few days, and I said, you know what? That's a better story to talk about. And also one that actually goes in line with what's going on now with the new item. So for those of you who wondered, um, we basically kept on delaying last week's episode and kept delaying and kept delaying until it was like, oh, well, guess what? It'll have to be next week. Well, it is that next week. So no past, not, no podcast last week, but there's a podcast this week. Um, and we're going to talk about what you, we've been playing. And I'll start. Uh, one thing, I've been playing the shit out of MLB The Show 22, as I am wont to do. Here's the thing. I'm a sports game fanatic, and if there's a good um, uh, a career mode, I'll often dive right into it. You know, either it's NBA 2K or um, uh, out-of-the-park baseball. You know, anything that gives any sort of narrative. And um, the thing about 22 is that it seems to me it's a lot of course correcting from what was in 21. There's a lot of state of uh, state of uh, quality of life changes that just basically tightened up certain areas like Road to the Show and stuff like that. I haven't really gotten much into franchise. I haven't really mu- uh, much gotten into Diamond Dynasty, but I have been getting into Road to the Show, and it's fine. Um, as a matter of fact, my hitting has improved to the point in which I'm able to hit on legend level. Hmm. Level. Um, I've also been playing the new Lego Star Wars game. Here's the thing. I have the original. Uh, well, not the original, actually. it's the uh, It encompasses the first two trilogies. Um, and I actually prefer the stories in the, ori- in the original Star Wars double trilogy thing because they did a lot of pantomiming. They did not talk. In this one, they actually used the voice files from, from the characters in the movies. And there's something better about them having to figure out a way to uh, pantomime Luke, I am your father, right? <laughs> if you ever saw, it's the funniest thing in the original. If you ever watch it, you see him trying to do this uh, pantomiming of, of him and his father and all that stuff, and having a little notebook out. Um, you can also do a mumble mode, but I, I avoid that because here's the thing: you know, there wasn't a mumble mode in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. The thing that I noticed most of all, uh, I I started with the first. Thing, which is basically um, uh, Star Wars. They start you with Episode Four, uh, A New Hope, and it is beautiful looking. I mean, you have to play. Have it, either of you played the new the new Star Wars Lego? Uh, I have not. I want to very badly. It looks good. the The scenery is just gorgeous. I mean, when you're uh, uh, when you're first on the ship, uh, which is being attacked by the uh, Empire. I mean, the, the, everything is so shiny and smooth, and then you go down to Tatooine. They put a lot of polish into this game, and there's a lot of game too, because it does. Uh, as you might guess, it has all nine movies, and a lot of additional. Uh, they have a uh, special side things which have nothing to do with the movies, just Star Wars stuff. So a lot of it is finding out secrets and this and that, replaying the levels with new characters and that sort of thing. So yeah, uh, it is really cool to play. Have you? Are you going to be playing it, uh, Scott? Uh, which game? The new Star Wars uh, 
game, a Lego Star Wars game with all nine movies. Uh, I haven't been playing the Star Wars Lego games. Uh, I, I, I'm going to be looking forward to the Ayudian uh, Rising that's coming out pretty soon, so I'll be probably playing that. Okay. I've also been playing the original Luminous Remastered. Now, there was Luminous Live, which was the special Xbox version made, but the version I'm playing is the original one that was ported from the PSP, and I have to say, you know, it's a lot easier than Luminous Live, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, TJ, get closer to your mic. You sound sort of distant. How about now? That's better. So, TJ, what have you been playing? Um, I signed up for Evo this year, so I've been on the grind trying to get up for, get my, uh, my game up in a lot, and a lot of the games that I, uh, signed up for. Guilty Gear? Guilty Gear, of course. Uh, King of Fighters 15, Tekken 7. I think that's when did, it. When did King of uh, Fighters 15 come out? It came out this year in March. Oh, okay. I know that was. I didn't know that it had already come out. I know it was coming out. And yeah. For those of you who don't know, King of Fighters is sort of a niche fighting game. I mean, it's been around for a long time, and it had different names when it was first coming up. It wasn't called King of Fighters. I forgot what it was spun off from, but it's been around for decades. And the thing is that it still is sort of like, oh yeah, that's a cool, that's a cool fighting game. You've heard of it. It always has that sort of outsider feel to it, like. One of the main titles, but one that people don't really think about. It is, uh, it is one, yeah, it's, it's considered to be like royalty of the SNK, uh, of the SNK catalog. It, the, the title that you're thinking of that it spawned off of was Fatal Fury, which was, which was originally subtitled, uh, Fatal Fury, the King of Fighters. Um, but, they uh they kind of became their own distinct uh, brands where Fatal Fury had its own games and then King of Fighters had its own games and then Fatal Fury characters appeared in King of Fighters but um yeah this the I wasn't huge on King of Fighters 14 it was the first time they moved to 2.5D with uh 3D models but on like a 2D fighting plane um King of Fighters 15 is so damn good it's uh it's not only polished, but it's like they they took a drab King of Fighters 14 that had like very little color to it, I think, and they really made it pop in King of Fighters 15. It looks more cartoonish. The characters look more colorful. The fighting feels really great, and uh, it's a great game. I uh, I know that a lot of the fighting game community has really taken to it and especially Latin America. Latin America loves King of Fighters in a way that like you would be it's widely considered that if that if you have a fight uh, like a, a worldwide King of Fighters fighting game tournament and you don't have Latin American players there, you might as well uh, you might as well not call it a real tournament. <laughs> so it's basically the street fighter of South America. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm grinding that one. I'm grinding in Guilty Gear Strive. They've got some new characters in Strive that I've been learning pretty hardcore. And uh, I have also been playing... Uh, I've also been playing uh, Elden Ring in my spare time. Okay. How about you, Scott? What have you been playing? I have been playing Triangle Strategy. And <laughs> I've been, I actually finished it. Um, or at least I beat one of the endings, and uh, I'm going to try to explore the other endings on it as well. Okay. Anyways, we're going to move uh, to Gaming Flashback, and this week, the Gaming Flashback is The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead is an episodic adventure game developed and published by Telltale Games. Based on the Walking Dead comic book series, the game consists of five episodes released between April and November 2012. The game takes place in the same fictional world as the comic, with events occurring shortly after the onset of the zombie apocalypse in Georgia. However, most of the characters are original to this game, which centers on university professor and convicted criminal Lee Everett, who rescues and subsequently takes care of a young girl named Clementine. Uh, The original characters... Oh, I forgot his name. I know the farmer and um, the Asian guy, and I'm trying to remember what his name was. Gene? No, it wasn't Gene. 
anyway. the one from the main from the actual show or they had a cameo by uh farmer when? herschel they had, herschel was an original it was from the was from the comic book and um glenn glenn was the other one that they that that, that appeared at least in the beginning in the first episode Levy becomes a protective figure to her to help her reunite with her parents Kirkman provided oversight for the game's story to ensure it corresponded to the tone of the comic, but allowed Telltale to handle the bulk of the developmental work and story specifics. Some characters from the original comic book series also make in-game appearances, which I already mentioned. Unlike many graphic adventure games, The Walking Dead does not emphasize puzzle solving. God, no, does it not. <laughs> but instead, it focuses on story and character development. The story is affected by both dialogue choices of the players and their actions during quick-time events, which can often lead to, for example, certain characters being killed, or an adverse change in the disposition of a certain character or characters towards protagonist Lee. Uh, Clementine will remember that. <laughs> that was always <laughs> the thing, always that little thing on the upper left. Blank will remember that. <laughs> uh, the choices made by the character carry from episode to episode. Choices were tracked by Telltale and used to influence their writing in later episodes. Uh, the Walking Dead has been critically acclaimed, with reviewers praising its the harsh emotional tone of the story and the emphatic connection between established between Lee and Clementine. It won year-end accolades, including Game of the Year awards from several gaming publications and is considered one of the greatest video games of all time. More than 1 million unique players have purchased at least one episode from the series, with over 8.5 million individual units sold by the end of 2012, and its success has been constituting a revitalization of a weekend adventure game genre. In July 2013, Telltale released an additional uh, downloadable episode, 400 Days, to extend the first and to extend the first season and bridge the gap towards the second season, released later that year as well in 2014. Season 3 and 4 of The Walking Dead were released in 2016 to 2017 and 2018 to 2019, respectively. Um, I didn't even know there was a season 4 that was released, which, by the way, is a bad sign. Here's the thing. The Walking Dead deserves its praise, but it also represents a shift in the tone that Telltale is making and led to their downfall. Because The Walking Dead was basically a visual novel mm-hmm. with a lot of choices to make. Yeah, I mean, on one hand, it like they never did anything different after they did Walking Dead because like that was the game that they had done some pretty cool stuff before that. I really love Telltale's Sam and Max. Um, yeah, I I actually really enjoyed the Wall and Gromit Telltale game. But I and think a, about Sam and Max and and Wall and Gromit, Wall and Gromit, where they had puzzles that you had to solve. Yeah. But I think a lot of people will agree that that uh, Walking Dead was probably the one that put them on the map for a lot of for a lot of people. Yeah, it was like, grim. <laughs> yeah. But it was like it was after the, it was after that that they got a lot of contracts for a lot of different games. Like that, it was after that that they got uh that they got The Wolf Among Us. Uh, they got Park. They got, they got, they got uh, Back to the Future. They got uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy. They got Game of Thrones. Um, they got the aforementioned. Um, oh, they had uh, Tales from the Borderlands, mm-hmm. which is a beloved one by a lot of people. I um, really enjoyed Back to the Future, and I also enjoyed Jurassic Park. And those are the Back two to the Future universal one, games too. that was really good. Um, I enjoyed Back to the Future a lot. They got AJ LoCastro, who was dead on with his Michael J. Fox impersonation. You could not tell that was not Michael J. Fox. Yeah, and, uh, and like, then Michael J. Fox appeared in the last episode. You can see, oh, there's a difference. There's the old Michael J. Fox. <laughs> if I remember correctly, they had a lot of uh, they had some decent stars in Tales from the Borderlands too, didn't they? I don't remember. I just remember the uh, the finger gun fight. Actually, the only thing I remember from that freaking game was the thing. I think the entire series was worth it just for that finger <laughs> finger gun fight scene. And uh, they had oh what's his face they had oh geez um, he plays the wolf in the hoodwinked movie in the hoodwinked movie you know what I'm talking about he played uh, Ray's brother I'm trying to remember his name I can't remember either um, but I was gonna say and Telltale also eventually got the bat uh, the Batman series which you have been pretty I love that series that was really good yeah Patrick Warburton was in was in that it uh, was in the uh, Tales from the Borderlands. Yep. So, like, it is it is a weird thing, right? Because like they they branched out a lot, but they branched out so much 
They that... took on a lot of contracts. Mm-hmm. And they became, basically became a factory. I remember the Minecraft uh, story mode. Oh, yes, you did that one. You, 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 that I, one actually incorporated uh, crafting. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a fun little one where you got to build a few things and craft your story, <laughs> as it were. And the thing was sort of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, in which it's it started going beyond. It was like, oh, we have episode six now. Oh, we have episode seven. Oh, we have episode eight and nine now. You know, it's like the fifth book of the uh, of the Hitchhiker's Book Guide to the Galaxy trilogy. You know, they just kept on adding episodes <laughs> on uh, layering on top of them. So getting back to The Walking Dead, um, when I think of The Walking Dead, I think of two scenes basically. One is that scene in which. You may decide to cut off someone's leg that's caught in a trap. And man, they really made you sweat through that because you had to keep hitting and hitting and hitting. And each time the guy is crying out in pain. And the reason why I don't do that in later games is because it turns out, yeah, it's pointless. <laughs> it's just pointless. He's going to die no matter what happens. So, um... I think the most miserable like really like keeps me up at night choice in uh in the walking dead there's one where you're like where you've been chased up like a a, a a long circular flight of stairs by zombies and then this guy gets knocked over the balcony and you have and you have a chance to save him or let him go oh he, yeah so here's the thing. yeah the kid has been a load the entire time but if you let him go he doesn't die when he hits the ground. He breaks his legs, and then the zombies eat and eat him. And I'm like, man, that's the worst. Why would you? Good lord! It's the opposite of the Jurassic Park games, in which the best part was seeing how people die. <laughs> like when Jerry gets uh, gets first, he gets trampled by a by a Triceratops, then he gets eaten by a T Rex at the same time. He becomes a dinosaur sandwich. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, everybody remembers the final decision they had to make in that game. And that is when Lee is is dying, and you either, as Clementine, shoot him or you let him live. I think a vast majority of people just shot him. Yeah, that was a rough one. And then the sequels. Here's the thing. They should have never made Clementine a protagonist, ever. Because in the second game, people were treating her like a 30-year-old when she was a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. And all every everything was blamed on her, and it wasn't like adults who you know who were trying to fob off responsibility. No, no, no. They legitimately thought it was all her fault. Everything was her decision, her fault. Why are you asking this girl to make the decisions? Why? Is there a point to that? And then it started getting to be like, let's see how dark and depressing we can get. And the the first game was legitimately dark, but it wasn't, you know, it's it was situationally dark. The rest of the se- uh, rest of the seasons just seemed to be let's just make see how how much we can force people to get into these bad decisions and that no matter what they do, they're going to it's going to be a bad thing that happens. I've, and um, I just quit after the second season cuz I said, eh, I'm not interested anymore." I, f- I found a lot of zombie stories to be quite depressing cuz it's like it's basically the world is ended. And it's just all downhill from here. Here's the thing. I, I'm one of the few people who really, really, really enjoyed the World War Z movie. The game was pretty good, too. Because it may have been sort of downbeat with all these, but it was still fun. And it was still, it was still. I mean, come on. Everybody's slowly putting their, their suitcases and the divider between the back of the plane and the front of the plane because the back of the plane is all zombies. And everything is undone because a dog starts barking. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and that was a, that. The zombies were weird, but like individually, the zombies were weird. But the whole point of them was that they were supposed to be a force of nature rather yeah, than like when they're attacking, it's like water. You know? mm-hmm. And that's what I really like. I you know, and I also saw the unrated version in which a you know like you don't cut away from from Sagan when her hand gets chopped off, right? Mm-hmm. The, there was a lot of gory parts that were... T- I mean, some of the, and some of the deaths were really cool. Like, um, when uh, What's-His-Face gets bitten, and he says, I'm a goddamn Zeke. And one of his sniper friends says, 
hey, you know, I can, uh, what's it called? I can take, I can shoot you if you want. No, he says, no, no, boys, I got this one. <laughs> and he shoots himself. And it is played in such a simultaneously awesome and funny way. Yeah. Especially when, when his phone starts ringing and one of the snipers says, um, it, could people please turn off their cell phones at this movie? <laughs> that was hilarious. I do believe that War, I think I enjoyed World War Z more than I enjoyed uh, whatever that one that they did. I think it was Zack Snyder who did it. Oh, it was God, that Las Vegas. Dawn of the Dead isn't so bad, but the one he did with Las Vegas and Batista, oh, that oh, that oh. one kind of that one. Yeah, they fun. actually had to cut apart because he was a sexual molester, and they replaced him with uh, Tig. Oh, I forgot her name. Tig Mataro. And it's so hilarious because she's acting with no one. And yet she's still able to interact and make it seem believable, even though she's acting with no one on a green screen. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the other one that's really fun that's also grim is Day of the Dead by George Romero. Yeah. Uh, with, um, oh, God, I forgot his name. You know who I'm talking about. He's basically a one-hit wonder. Joe Pilato. Joe Pilato uh, was, a, was a hilarious in that movie. Joke on him! Mm-hmm. And also, oh yeah, that's the one where they're on the island. No, no, No. that was the one in which they're in the underground bunker in Florida. That's right. That's right. One there was oh god, George Romero should have just stopped a Day of the Dead because all of his others were just terrible. It was like an old guy trying to have a oh, what's this YouTube thing? Can we put it in a movie? (laughs) Anyways, we're talking too much about we're talking too much about zombie movies here. Um. I would say just play the first one and then ignore the rest. If I was, if for anybody who hasn't played The Walking Dead, just play the first one and just stop there. You don't need to play the other ones. They're diminishing diminishing returns big time. Um, mm-hmm. If you're going to play them, if you're going to play any other Telltale game, play either Batman or The Wolf Among Us. Yep, because Wolf Among Us is going to get a second chapter. Yep. And we'll find out. You know, still don't know who it was at the end of the game. That it, Was it... Was it... The mermaid, or was it um, the one who was supposed to be killed the entire time? Tales from the Borderlands is real good if you're already a Borderlands fan and like and like that uh, lore. I hate the border. I hate Borderlands, but I did enjoy Tales from the Borderlands. Yeah, because um, I'm going to say this right now: the writers at Telltale are much better writers than the ones at Gearbox. <laughs> That's fair. Okay, we're going to move on to quick news. Uh, first point: uh, two points. Two point campus is delayed to August 2022. Um, which is sort of disappointing, but if they need to delay it, that's fine. I'm looking forward to this one. I like Two Point Hospital, but the idea of running a, a school is a lot more appealing than running a hospital to me. Yeah. Bunch of rowdy kids versus, uh, versus patients. Um, it should be a really fun time. I really, uh, I really am looking forward to this too. Plus, they have such a good sense of humor about the Two Point games, so I'm really uh-huh. interested to see how they expand in the, in a college setting. Well, theme hospital is always a riot. So, uh, have you played any of the two point games, uh, Scott? Um, no, I okay. played which games? Two point, two point uh, hospital. Uh, no. You haven't played theme hospital either, have you? No. Sorry. How about Dungeon Keeper? <laughs> Dungeon Keeper, I did play that one a little. Okay, the same people who made Dungeon Keeper made uh, theme hospital. Ah, uh, awesome. Uh, theme hospital is basically Dungeon Keeper in a hospital. Uh, Crystal Dynamics announces the next Tomb Raider built on the Unreal 5 engine. Uh, Crystal Dynamics believes that it'll unlock next-level storytelling and gameplay experiences. They also released that demo, in-engine demo. And yeah, Unreal Engine is looking real good. Yes, they uh, they showed off a lot of Unreal Engine stuff on, uh, on April 5th, I do believe it was. Yeah. And, and uh, among them... Crystal Dynamics announced that they were doing the new Tomb Raider, and uh, the director of Days Gone uh, joined Crystal Dynamics as a design director on the new, and he's probably going to be working on the next Tomb Raider. In other news, by the way, um, Epic Games got a billion dollars from Sony and from Lego. Sony has been investing huge into Epic Games for the last three years. Uh, they did a billion dollars this time. Uh, last year they did. It was two hundred twenty million. Yeah, last year was two hundred twenty million, and then the year before that was two hundred million. Yeah. Here's the thing. Um, I hope 
Sony isn't counting on the success of Fortnite. Because here's the thing. Fortnite is not Minecraft. Fortnite has a shelf date. We don't know when it's going to be, but it has a shelf date. It's still keeping steam for what it's worth. They they continue to do things like those those occasional shows where they'll get a, a big-name media star and do, like, a virtual show in the game. Those have been a big draw, and then the new seasons have gotten people pretty hyped in between. Like, they usually trail off a bit, but usually when a new chapter or a new season launches, people pay attention. Here's the thing, though. Uh, there have been people who challenged Minecraft. None of them survived. Uh, uh, for a game like Fortnite... It's susceptible. It's not going to age well. I think Sony is more interested in Unreal 5 than it is. Yeah, but I'm just saying. Much of Epic's money is coming from that and not Unreal Engine licensing. Um, Yeah. Epic Store, I don't know if it's making money. I I tend to doubt it. Uh, Moving on. uh, Fake Elden Ring for Switch appears on Twitch. Uh, This is is a a mocked-up Switch case for Elden Elden Ring. Uh. It got a lot of people's hopes up, but there's no way Elden Ring is ever going to be able to play on Nintendo that doesn't have streaming. Yeah, there is a uh, Elden Ring is too nice to be on Switch. Like I, I love the Switch, and I think that it can do a lot of good things, and I think you can put a lot of good games on it that you might not expect. But unless it was a cloud version, I would expect Elden Ring to run terribly on Switch. Like I said, it's pro- if there's going to be a version, it's going to be the cloud version. Uh, a new a new Subnautica game is in development. Unknown Worlds is working on a new sci-fi adventure alongside an unannounced project that's expected to hit early access later this year. Scott, you played a lot of Subnautica, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I uh, had fun exploring the oceans, and I know they came out with that Arctic, uh, I guess it was a... Yeah, the standalone one. expansion. And uh, so I don't know if it'll be the same uh, world kind of thing or just something totally different, um, but they make this huge open world where you you know, get to do whatever you want or, you know, at your own rate. Well, um, what's good about Subnautica is that it actually has an ending. You can actually have yeah. an ending. It's not one of those things that lasts forever. And I liked it because uh, you do like a time capsule and I guess people can see what you did, what you built, what what was like the, you know, notable item or whatever. And they can like just look at your status or whatever, I guess. And that's pretty cool. You sure? Yeah, was it? Which one was it? This was uh, Subnautica. Yep. The first two games are amazing. The second one is less amazing than the first game, in my opinion, but it's still pretty dang good. Well, the second one was smaller and more focused and had had a tighter story, that a definite story that was going on. As a matter of fact, here's the thing: people who played the beta were in the base and it was still pristine. When the game was released, that base had been torn down and was sort of like. The people who played it was sort of like the people who played the original version of uh, Subnautica Sub Zero sort of got an Easter egg of what what it was like before all the shit went down, without even knowing it until the game was released. Hmm. Wingspan European expansion arrives on May fifth. The big update will include new birds, goals, landscapes, and more. I've played the board game, and it is I don't know if, how if you, it's it's really big. Everybody loves that game. I only like it. It's it's a basic engine game, but the thing that makes Wingspan so special is that it has so many beautiful art cards, and it goes with its theme and all these. And you just want to collect more and more birds, and just see what kind of birds there are. And there are a lot of expansions to Wingspan. Um, so, have you played Wingspan? I have not. Board game or not? Okay. <laughs> you should you should see the board game. It's beautiful. How about you, Scott? Have you ever heard of Wingspan? Uh, no, I haven't. I have not played this or seen it. I would suggest playing the board game rather than the video game because the board game, the video game cannot, uh, doesn't really impart how. Like I said, this is one of those games that really runs on its theme. Even if the gameplay is basic, everybody just loves the artwork and the birds and all that stuff. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 4 announced. Sora is now an adult, and possibly Star Wars' Forest Moon Endor is teased in it. Yeah. And a lot of people are saying, is this going to redeem 3? And I say, I don't care. Because I, 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 Kingdom Hearts has beaten me down. I, it's, it's, like, it's, like, uh, it's like The Walking Dead. I don't want to 
play another Kingdom Hearts game ever. The, the engine looks pretty good, and I'm well, sure Paul sure. would love to comment oh. on it. <laughs> so, uh, Scott, you you pointed you pointed this one out to me. Is there anything you're really looking forward to? Because I know a lot of players are saying, you know, I hope they finally wrap up the story. Well, I haven't played too much of Kingdom Hearts. That was more of Paul's game. But uh, I have heard of how just crazy (laughs) it is with all the characters they've used and the different Disney properties with Final Fantasy properties. And it's just this convoluted mess, it sounds like. Um, But the gameplay looks fun, at least. Um, It looks like they're trying to turn Kingdom Hearts into, uh, oh god, what was the name? Not Bayonetta, the other one. I can't believe I forgot the name of the game. You know what I'm talking about, a platinum game. Um, Oh, Devil May Cry. Yeah, yeah, it looks like they're trying to make, make Kingdom Hearts look like Devil May Cry. Uh, I, I saw people saying that this was the like Final Fantasy Seven, Final Fantasy Seven remake engine, uh, is with the comments I saw. I thought it kind of looked like Final Fantasy Fifteen. Like actually, I yeah. even saw people say that if you slapped uh, Sora's face on Noctis's body, then no one would be able to tell the difference. Yeah, it, <laughs> I, I, I think that engine is the same uh, between Spare me from, spare the me Final from Fantasy Seven remake Final and Fifteen. I Final Fantasy Fifteen. I am happy for Final Fan. I'm happy for Kingdom Hearts fans. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't be happy for Final Fantasy anymore. And Jonah, <laughs> you're going to be thrilled to know that they wrapped up the last arc in, Can- in uh, Kingdom Hearts three. This is the start of a brand new arc, which means that there's probably going to be more than one game. Oh, who cares? <laughs> I just wanted you to know that. Uh, I just wanted you to know that this is the start of a of a new era of Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts three had Winnie the Pooh, and that's all you need. This is the start of a brand new era of Kingdom Hearts that is probably not going to stop at Kingdom Hearts 4. Winnie the Pooh and Tigger 2. <laughs> so expect Kingdom Hearts 5, 6, and maybe even 7. I don't care. I'm not going to be buying them. So. Although Other I will say, will. No, they're probably going to be on, on Game Pass. Um, speaking of which, um, I was pleasantly surprised to find out that uh, Life is Strange True Colors is going to be on Game Pass on the 14th. Yes. Yes, it is. That is pretty cool, because that game was voted by a lot of people to be their game a year last year. And also, um, Panzer Corps 2. And it's not the first Slytherin game that's been on Game Pass, but still, it's a surprise when a Slytherin game comes on Game Pass. Because that is just too weird. And one of the things that I found out happily is that Slytherin is making a Master of Magic remake. And I cannot tell you how much I'm looking forward to being able to play Master of Magic without having to use DOSBox. Now, it looks like every other Slytherin game. It has that same thin, thin line, cell shaded look. But that's okay. It's going to be the exact game, except, you know, with graphics and not having to deal with DOSBox. Hmm. Have you ever. Have either of you ever played Master of Magic? Um, I have not. I really? Yeah, yeah. I don't believe I've played that one either. Wow. Okay, so here, here here's three lines I'm gonna I'm gonna say. Uh, well, five lines. Magic: The Gathering meets Civilization. And I'm not kidding about Magic: Magic: The Gathering. You play, you'll say, "Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Red, green, blue, black, and white. <laughs> Those kind of spells, really." And blue is illusions, and red is destruction, and black is death, and white is life, and green is is. This seems awfully familiar. Oh wait a minute, you 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 what's it called you you research spells that sound suspiciously like magic cards. Like I said, if you like Magic: The Gathering and if you like Civilization, Master Magic is for you. And it's on good old games. I think it's also on Steam now. The only thing I hate about it is having to use DOSBox to play it. And I will say this, Master of Magic is not aged one iota. It's one of those games in which it, if you you would think it, was, it wasn't released in 1995, more like, say, 2005 and maybe a retro game. It, it's Gameplay is very deep. It has some exploiting stuff, yes, but if you love Civilization, play Master of Magic. 
I like it more than Master of Orion, and I know for a lot of people that's heresy. Huh. I'll have to check it out because I do like uh, I do love me a good RPG. It does have a cheesy opening though. It's on the level of altered stage. Rise from your grave. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stuff is uh, that kind of ventures stuff like with old, very, 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 very old like dawning of voice acting and game stuff is pretty fun to me. Here's the thing. You know what got me to play Master of Magic? The Prima Guide. I saw sitting on the shelf this big, huge, thick guide about a game called Master of Magic. I flipped through it, and everything about it just entranced me. And I read the guide for like two months before buying the game. So the Prima Guide actually influenced me to buy the game. <laughs> I will say, you know, trying to deal with... Oh, God. You had to deal with COM ports and DOS ports and memory allocation and oh, trying to play that game. It was a real pain. Thank, I know there's DOS box now, but, you know, it was it was even worse when I was just playing in DOS. It was just a pain to play, to get it to play. Hmm. Um, anyways, so, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff coming to Game Pass, and I'm looking forward to playing Life is Strange. Colors. Although I will say this, I really don't like Don't Nod's take on... English teen dialogue, it always has that fakeness to it. You know what I'm talking about? There's something sort of off about the dialogue between teen characters. Because it's made by 50-year-old French guys. It's not even their culture. They're doing American... Well, wait. Doesn't this take place in uh, Canada, True Colors? I forgot. Um, usually they do, so... Okay. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to game news. Take it away, TJ. All right. Digital games on PS3 and Vita are reportedly expiring and becoming unplayable. From from Eurogamer. Classic PlayStation games like Chrono Cross are seemingly expiring on PS3 and PlayStation Vita, even for players who had legitimately bought the games through Sony's own storefronts. As reported by Kotaku, PlayStation's users have taken to social media on discovering that the hitherto unknown expiration dates on their digital games have reportedly expired. When trying to re-download the classic version of Chrono Cross, which one would very much like to do because the new one is not very good, um... One user reports that he received a notice telling him that his license to play the game had expired on December 31st, 1969. Hmm. Which is really funny because it says that the, it'll say the game was released on August 5th, 2014, but it's expired to play on December thir- uh, 31st, 1969. Figure that one out, Doctor Who. That's got to be a white. Yeah, was that like a Y2K bug where like it was supposed to last so many years and then it all went back to zero, and for some reason it just arbitrarily chooses 1969? <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, um, through those, though at first some cynical souls thought this was a sneaky ploy to funnel players into the new Chrono Cross remaster, similar issues have seemingly popped up for players trying to access their copies of Chrono Trigger, Final Fantasy VI, Final Fantasy Origins, War of the Lions, and Rune Factory Oceans. One Vita user even reports that their entire digital catalog is inaccessible. Is Rune Factory Oceans a Square Enix game? Because every one of those other ones is. I wonder. Well, those are the only games I think people are still playing in backwards compatibility, to tell you the truth. Interesting. I mean, is anybody really invested in playing Gravity Rush anymore? Hmm. I don't know. Um, as yet, there's been no formal word yet on why the error has occurred, nor any solutions to fix it, although some Vita owners have had limited access to, or limited success refreshing their PS Plus subscriptions by prefer, by purchasing a additional month. Oh, this is always going to be the danger of digital media, you know? Although I will say it's also a danger with the physical media, too. If you remember a couple of months ago, we were talking about how some games were designed to not run if they couldn't access the uh the main playstation thing even though the, if, even if you had a disc but still this is the fear everybody has you know you have digital games and you know you really don't have them in your hand and they can just be taken away from you hmm yeah this is a 
This is a curious one. I'm curious to know if if it is just Square Enix games and it might be something attached to Square Enix or if it is something that is affecting actually all games. Because I know every one of those games listed seems to be Square Enix. Anyways, uh, moving forward. Let me look up Rune Factory Oceans really quick. No, that's a that's a group called Neverland. Huh. All right. Ubisoft ends its NFT experiment in Ghost Recon Breakpoint. And this comes from PC Gamer. Yesterday, or a couple of days ago, Ubisoft announced that Ghost Recon Breakpoint would receive no further content updates. Uh, the final act for a game that had been an extremely messy launch and never really found an audience. It also ended up being used as a guinea pig for Ubisoft Quartz, the first attempt by a major publisher to incorporate non-fungible tokens in its games. Breakpoint's uh, digits, cosmetics with little numbers on them, open, uh, launched in December 2021. The Breakpoint digits did not create all that much interest. Trading sites for a month or two after launches had barely any activity around them. Now, Ubisoft has confirmed that the end of Breakpoint updates also means the game won't see any more digits. A message on the Ubisoft Quartz website thanks players who bought them, and it reads, you own a piece of the game and have left its mark on its history. In other words, yeah, you want your money back? Well, fuck you. You wasted it. Sorry. You can have this worthless piece of crap. Not worth anything, but enjoy it. Not that this will deter you, but the update on the Quartz site ends by saying, stay tuned for more updates with features to the platform and future drops and coming coming with other games. Is that a threat or what? Drops is the crypto jargon for NFT releases, so watch out, fans of less successful Ubisoft games, because you're next. Oh, yeah, I can just see it now. Crypto Assassin's Creed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> one, there was... So, like, when they announced Quartz, there was a... Uh, and people... And there was backlash against it. Ubisoft's VP that was in charge of this was like, players just don't get it. They don't get how it benefits them. And that... Well, here's the thing. When, when people play video games, they intend to play video games. They don't intend to play the stock market. Mm-hmm. I that think may- executives... Have any of these executives actually played a game before? That's what I want to know. Do they actually play games, or do they just hook the books? I don't think they do. Yeah, and like, I think that mood that that VP expressed is probably a prevalent mood across Ubisoft executive ranks. Like, the 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 player just doesn't understand, and I don't know. I don't even think that Ubisoft fully understands the implications the of players. Their market, you know, they have to. Yeah. The fucking players are market. If they don't buy your shit, you're out of a job. Mm-hmm. You know, so, the customer is always right. Good point of phrase. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I am not looking forward to more Ubisoft games that were like, hey, you, hey, kids, buy your way into this thing and uh, you can have a piece. Of, you can own a piece of the game forever or until we turn off the servers. Another old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. <laughs> Because that's the thing, right? Like, what happens to that NFT once they decide, okay, we're done with Breakpoint, we're turning the servers off, the end. And here's the thing also. Uh, this, this, this damaged one of their brands. I mean, believe it or not, there's a lot of people who still play a lot of Ghost Recon, and mm-hmm. they don't want this. This is not what they want. Go ahead, Scott. You are about to say something. I heard you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just saying... Uh, a little bit ago that it's just this doesn't really benefit the gamers you know to to have this little piece of whatever that just is tied to one game and um it's not going to be transferable to other games it's just like i just try to sit and imagine having this little like whatever thing in ghost recon and wanting to try to use it in a, another developer's game, and that's just not going to happen, you know. So that reminds me, the metaverse. You, did you see where they changed the name to MetaQuest Three? It's now the MetaQuest, not the Oculus Quest, the MetaQuest. There's something sort of shinty about that. Yeah. It's uh, 
and, and like they kind of killed off the Oculus brand altogether. Where like the the Oculus website kind of still exists, but it's but a lot of that branding has been retired. I still want a, a, a Meta Quest Three, by the way. I still I'm, I'm looking forward to that shit. I really enjoyed the Oculus Quest Two, and I like what they're doing to improve it for the Three. I just wish the name was different. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to the next item. Go ahead, Scott. Okay. Konami details eFootball 2022 uh, version 1.0 update due next week. This is from Eurogamer. Konami will attempt to salvage its struggling eFootball 2022 next week with the game's long-awaited version 1 patch, which has originally set to arrive soon after launch last November. eFootball, the new name for PES, arrived in a disastrous state last year, despite Konami warning players it would arrive in extremely limited form akin to a demo. Konami insisted the game would evolve over time, but players have been left waiting for months for this point one uh, update to arrive. In the meantime, eFootball's mobile spin-off was postponed, and the game's controversial premium player pack was pulled from sale. Konami posted in their blog, We were too focused on getting the game out on time, that we lost sight of the most important thing, quality. Naturally, we were met with critical reviews from rightfully disappointed fans. The development team has been hard at work since to regain the trust of our esteemed fans, as well as to make the game even more enjoyable for soccer fans around the world. This uh, surprises sorry. me that they've been making a football game and none of their other IPs. Here's the thing. Um... I know this was a nominated. This was nominated for the worst game of the year in our awards. And Scott, I mean uh, TJ, you were you were bemoaning how this how <coughs> how e, e football could have been and still could be, I guess, be a great uh, way to combat the old um, you know microtransactions thing by just making a game free and just having it supported by by the microtransactions instead. Yeah, I uh, this is something that if it had worked, I would have liked to see Madden and FIFA take on this style, where instead of where instead of doing a new game every single year that never improves, they actually make a game that's like good and then just change the seasons and 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 charge for seasons, which I don't know, like Konami blew it pretty hard with this. And uh, I don't think that, like, yeah. it would be really hard for this game to gain any sort of hype after the after the complete stumble that they did on launch. It was a uh, it was an embarrassing, stupid thing. Like the screenshots that I've seen for the game are like comically bad. They look so terrible. Um, and yeah, I just. If if there was any chance of uh, of EA taking on this style, it's uh, it's certainly not a. This certainly isn't making a good case for it. You know, Konami is a Japanese company. You'd think they would have remembered what Shigeru Miyamoto said. You know, a delayed game is eventually good, but a rushed game is forever bad. Mm-hmm. Konami has lost sight of how to make games. I think in a lot of ways, and I think we just talked about Ubisoft. They lost sight as well. I just I don't know. They're sitting on such they're sitting on such good media that I really just wish they would start I really really do wish they would just start uh licensing their their IP out to third parties and if let they, it, if they still make uh, pro baseball spirits. Um cuz I remember that that was a good looking game. And I'm going to post something in our chat. Our, our, our audience won't be able to see it, but uh, this is a good example of, uh, of what you can, ex- of what why eFootball sucks ass and, and like I don't understand how you can ship a product like this <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with with this kind of quality. Um, Are you making yourself laugh? <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I saw the screenshot. I mean, I saw all the screenshots, just really bizarre looking. Things. They had the same kind of things in Madden, too, by the way. They had the same weird ass uh, uh, animations and, and stuff. 
Oh, and also uh, Grand Theft Auto Remastered as well had weird ass stuff like that too. Especially, you know, remember the woman's neck just stretched to the sky and there's some real Junji Ito body horror crap in that game. I really liked the bug in, in Grand Theft Auto Remastered uh, San Andreas where the the uh, camera just stays on the character's face as he's wandering around. I thought that was uh, some great unintentional comedy. Yeah. By the way, they, a lot of stuff had, had come out talking about what went with that game, and it wasn't just the developer's fault. Obviously, it wasn't just their because I don't think any developer ever intends to make something that crappy. There was a lot of miscommunication and a lot of stuff that they were asked to do that they could not do physically. But that's for a different. That's for another gaming history. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. It used to be that Pro Evolution Soccer was FIFA's main competition, and it wasn't like EA just muscled them out of there. It's more like Konami kicked their own ass out of there. Mm-hmm. It's a huge bummer. I mean, nothing's going to nothing is going to change if somebody doesn't do like a quality job on on something like this. It all this does all the football did was dissuade anyone from trying something similar. Anyways, we're going to move on. Uh, go ahead, TJ. All right. Blue Box Abandoned has not been canceled from Kotaku. Abandoned? <laughs> abandoned has not been abandoned by Blue Box. Um, mysterious survival horror game abandoned by Blue Box Game Studios has gotten even more enigmatic. The game was thrust back into the public consciousness this week, but not because the developer had anything to show off. No, instead, information was quietly removed from the studio's Twitter account, leading to rumors that the still-unseen project was canceled. Apparently, that's not true. Abandoned isn't canceled, just changing, according to studio founder Hassan Kamraman. Uh, Abandoned is supposed to be Blue, Go- Blue Box Game Studios' debut, debut game for PS5. A first-person survival horror shooter of some kind announced in last April, folks thought the project was somehow connected to Hideo Kojima in Silent Hill because of the game's marketing. That evidently turned out to be false, as Karaman came, came out to reveal that Abandon had nothing to do with Silent Hill and he wasn't Kojima in disguise. Since this initial confusion and reveal a year ago to the day now, information about Abandon, even including the Baron PS5 app, has been scant. Now on to the present, Twitter user and noted Souls YouTuber Lance McDonald tweeted on March 31st that Bluebox deleted most tweets describing specific future plans for Abandoned. This apparently included an explanation for why the PlayStation 5 app, which is still only contains a brief teaser, weighed in at around 5 gigabytes, and news that a demo would be playable soon. This erasure led the industry to speculate about Abandoned since Blue, since Blue Box hadn't tweeted about the game since last December. On March 31st, the same day that McDonald's tweet caught folks' attention, Blue Box posted a statement to Twitter clarifying Abandoned's status. The studio said rumors of the game's cancellation were false and claimed it's working on a reveal and prologue, which would be a, stra- a standalone game. With a low price tag expected to last an hour or two for the the PS5 app. Both have been delayed because the team underestimated its development development roadmap. When you have a developer saying they underestimated the development roadmap, you have some serious problems. That's shit you should have on day one. You should be able to know what you can do day one, not not underestimate. Yeah, and. <laughs> And like I saw the issue that happened with with Kojima Studio with Kojima Productions, that certainly didn't help them because like then you've got distractions in the form of people yelling at you for or, or continuing to harangue and harass you over the idea that you are or aren't Kojima Productions or Hideo Kojima or this is related to Silent Hill, which I mean if it's a small studio if it's a, if it's an indie studio they. They don't need that kind of pressure hanging over their head. It's already hard to make an indie game. So, like, I don't... Acting like Kojima, though. I mean, having a standalone game with a low price tag that's basically a demo, didn't they do that with Metal Gear Solid Five? Mm, yes, it... they did. They, they, had, they had a small version of it. 
that was basically just the base, and you had to pay something like twenty dollars for it, which is basically a demo. And then the full game out came out like a year later. Yeah, but like I don't, I don't remember. Did you have to? Pay? Yeah, you did have to pay for that, but that was Konami. Yeah, but it was still a Hideo Kojima game. Sure, but Konami had a big hand in like how that game was handled as far as its marketing and and uh, release. I don't know. This game screams uh, vaporware to me. I don't. It, it probably is. It just kind of sucks because I know that like there was a lot that had to do with the pressure of the pressure and backlash of uh, of people coming at them, be, at, the, continuing to ask and harass them uh, over the whole Hideo or Kojima Productions rumors. Now here's the thing. I you know I think a lot of people are just waiting for the next um, you know Silent Hill. And the medium tried to be that, and they've had limited success at being that. Yeah. But, I don't know. I, I, I wonder if we'll actually see anything on this anytime soon, or if it'll just kind of fade away. Anyways, we're going to move on to gaming history, and this week's gaming history is Sony's rootkit scandal. Because, do you guys remember this? It wasn't too, it wasn't too long ago. Yeah, I actually, do. A lot of people I don't remember it, but uh Oh, uh, well when I when I describe it to you maybe you'll say, "Oh, I remember that." In the early 2000s, Sony BMG, which is basically their music division, secretly included the extended copy protection, the XCP, and Media Max CD3 software on millions of music CDs from such artists as Celine Dion, Neil Diamond, and Santana in the mid 2000s. That was designed to keep music owners from making too many copies of the music. The software, which proved undetectable by antivirus and anti-spyware programs, was in the form of a rootkit that opened the door for other malware to infect computers unseen as well. Once the rootkit was exposed by security researcher Mark Rosinovich on October 31, 2005, all hell broke loose with Sony BMG botching its initial response. And I just love this quote by Thomas Hess, who was the president of Sony's uh, digital, global digital business. Most people don't even know what a rootkit is, so why should they care about it? Most people also don't know what pancreatic cancer is when they have it, you know. Uh, quoth Ars Technica at the time, until someone points out these elite pirate geniuses all uh, have to do is plop the CD into any Linux computer and be bothered with none of it. That's right. The excuse for such insidious DRM or DRM that potentially harms the system and behaves exactly like malware turns out to be completely and utterly asinine on account of the fact it only works on selected platforms anyway. In other words, if you had Linux or, or Apple... The DRM didn't do jack shit. <laughs> and later reinstalling products and issuing and reissuing software removal tools and settling lawsuits from a number of states, the FTC and the Electronic Frontier Foundation. No detect activist Cory Doctorow, writing for Boing Boing earlier the, uh, that month, explained that some vendors had their reasons for not exposing their Sony rootkit right away. Rusinovich was not the first researcher to discover the Sony rootkit, just the first researcher to blow the whistle on it. The other researchers were advised by their own lawyers that any report on the rootkit would violate Section 1201 of DMCA, the 1998 law that prevents moving copy protection software. The gap between discovering and reporting gave the infection a long time to spread. In fact, World of Warcraft hackers used it to hide their hacking from Blizzard's Warning client, which is their anti-cheating uh, tool. Rootkits have since become common among modern malware. The sophisticated Stuxnet worm identified this year as a threat to Windows PCs and industrial systems also uses a rootkit. It became something of a cultural phenomenon. It wound up as a punchline in comic strips like Foxtrot, became a custom t-shirt logo, and was even the subject of class skits uh, shared on YouTube. This was bad. This was about as bad as the exploding batteries from Sony's laptops. Because what basically Sony did was they just allowed hackers to play on your PC. I still know people that uh that are affected by uh the issues that came to PS I think it, it definitely was this the same was this the same no, thing no, that hugely affected PS PS3 because the PS3 used uh Linux and hackers used that to be able to hack into PSN. Uh this is something different. So Sony is batting 100 when it comes to a terrible uh batting basically out. Backdoor, backdoor issues with its, with its uh, foundational software. And it's always Sony's thing in which they don't, they try to say that's not our fault. How could people know? How could we know? 
dude, you have tech people who knew. And then you have your lawyers threatening. It's you know, it's sort of like uh, uh, the recent thing with Elizabeth Holmes. She had lawyers just coming down on anybody who said that the uh, her system didn't work, which it didn't. And now there's a TV miniseries about it. Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I didn't know much about this other one. I uh, but I do know. Uh, yeah, that's that's an incredibly poor response on Sony's part. And you'd think they'd be better at this after, well, you'd think they would have been better at it for as long as they'd already been in the business at that point. Well, at the same time, they were also, if you remember, they were also reviewing, uh, releasing fake movie reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, what's it called? Like uh night's tale. They had a fake re- review on the poster from uh, a reviewer that didn't exist. Really? But yeah, I mean, I know one or two people who actually had their PCs uninstalled, or uh, I mean, format their hard drives with this root kit. Yeah, I just want to listen to a CD. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising how much time has passed since like 2005 that people have not remembered this. Mm-hmm. Anyways, we're gonna move on. Uh, TJ, go ahead and do the listener feedback. This comes from Ralph on uh, episode 644. Hi, guys. As usual, thank you for your, thanks a lot for your effort and work to bring us this and every other episode. I am not able to say so much to this episode because I don't know all the games you guys talked about. I played Magi- a lot of Magic Arena, as usual, some WoW, and uh, since it is released some days ago, Edora, a hand-drawn uh, Metroidvania indie game. I have not heard of that. I will have to look it up after we're done with this show. Um, but I can say some stuff about Dorf Romantic. I own this game, and it is really romantic, re- really relaxing, and I can play it over and over again. You can't lose in some way, so it's not frustrating. I really recommend it. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say Dorf Romantic is really fun and really is really calm and chill. Oh, I know Itara, and you know it too. You just don't know the name, but you'll recognize the uh, the gra- graphics and gameplay. Itara, I'm looking. I'm. T- I want to take a look at it really quick. Uh, you've seen the game. You just don't remember the name of it. I don't know if I have seen this before, really? but it looks awesome. Ooh, yeah, it's looking it's really sort of nice. Basically, it's sort of basically an anime version of uh of oh god, forgot the name of the game. Ori it makes me think of Dust uh, in Elysian Tale. That too. I, I love Dust. Dust was very good. I'll have to check this out. Very cool. Um. PS5. I'm happy I got a PS5 some months you, ago. You missed something. You, some stuff I can't say about it. it was Dorf Romantic first. I said that stuff. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. For those who don't remember, Dorf Romantic is the, is the game in which you just place down tiles in a uh, SimCity kind of game. Yeah. It's uh, it's really chill, really really relaxing. It's a very, very low-stakes uh, builder. Um, PS5. I'm happy I got a PS5 some months ago, but sadly, I did not play so much with it. I only played some hours of God of War with the with the 4K HDR upgrade. Gizmondo, I owe this I own this console, and yes, it has a SIM card in it. I never played with it. It was only a nice upgrade for my retro gaming collection. It was way too much money in my opinion. But because of the fact that it is rare and I owned the packaging box, manual and all that stuff, it was a nice catch when I bought it. That's probably like you're probably sitting on gaming like a gaming treasure right there. I'm sure that a lot of collectors would love to get their hands on that. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty incredible. Um, Super Mario Guide. Why is this a topic? Such an old game and now it is a topic. But I think some collectors or hardcore fans are really interested in this thing. This game is still played by a lot of of speedrunners, as far as I know. Yeah, and if it has Mario in the title, it has speedrunners. Mm-hmm. Uh, Switch topic. I really love my Switch. It doesn't need any upgrade because the games for this console should not be graphic monster games in in 4K HDR. I like it for the simplicity. You can play games even if you don't have that much time. They are easy to understand, easy to solve or finish, and you can get back to them after weeks and are are into it after some minutes. No need for an epic storyline, which is hard to follow, but for sure that's my opinion, and I understand every person who wants... uh, complex stories, hardcore mode, and complicated as hell. Um, 
I would actually like I've been playing uh I've been playing what's the name of that game uh you you turned me on to it Jonah it's the one about the tank oh, and the, yeah, and the, yeah, and the dog and cat kids yeah <laughs> uh oh, god I know the game you're talking about I've that game is story, is hugely story heavy and extremely like <laughs> emotional and I I really love it I actually like uh, the switch for playing like JRPGs like that. It's a very good console for that, in my opinion. I think uh, um, Triangle Strategy has a very epic story, uh, very story-centric, and pretty good gameplay as well. So there's, there's a variety of games on the Switch. The Melodies of Steel. Yes, Fuga, Metal, Melodies of Steel. Um, but yeah, I... I he, he, Ralph is also right. Uh, there's it's it's a perfect console for bite-sized games for just like pick up and play and then put down and put away when you're traveling and such like on a bus. Um, but yeah, sorry for late commenting, but I wanted to drop the lines to to make to make you know that I'm still a listener and follower even though I don't comment every episode. That's all for guys. That's all from my side. Please keep on the good work. Stay healthy and enjoy what you do. Greetings from yeah. Germany, Ralph. He told me he wasn't going to be able to say so much, but he ended up saying so much. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate it. Uh, it's uh, it's always good to hear from Ralph. Uh, How far have you gotten in Fuga, do you think? I'm into the third chapter. Uh, there was a lot of games that came out in February, so I had to put it aside for a bit, but I'm absolutely going to finish that game because it is intense. I love it. It's so is good. Is watch you play it? Yes. Um, it's... Because there's a lot of choices you make in that game between the combat and uh, the choices you make. Like, it's basically between combat, you you take on the role of any one of the characters and you can go interact with any one of the other characters and it builds their relationship. Or you can sacrifice them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's some heavy shit right there. <laughs> that choice is terrifying especially because some of the bosses in the game really do push you to make to like be like should i do this i don't want to do this but like i'm not gonna win if i don't do this hey little it's, girl you see that cannon over there crawling it there's some candy inside <laughs> it it's intense that game is very intense and it's got some beautiful music to it there you go scott you should be buying it now <laughs> i uh i put itora on um my the wish list. It looks like a okay. good game. Yeah, I've I haven't been playing a lot of uh, platformers lately or Metroidvanias. Um, I mean, I have Spelunky too, so that's all I really need. Yeah, I'm gonna check out Tora out as well. That game looks really good. Yeah. Anyways, look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. If you enjoy feedback, leave us comments at our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also, hit us up at facebook.com slash gamingpodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Shard Remore. And by the way, I just realized there's a lot of games that we're talking about, which me and, and Jordan and, and, uh, and Paul were discussing on this podcast when they first came out, and that's just really depressing. <laughs> Because, remember, the podcast started in 2007. I'm doing 2012 games. I was well into me, Paul, and, and Jordan doing the podcast. Anyways, uh, we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun. Be cool. Play games, y'all. <laughs>